people think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. We're back for another week of Kidney Talk. I know. And today we're going to be talking about take-home dialysis, doing dialysis, the comfort of your own home. Now, does that come in the little takeout cartons and everything? Or is that just... (laughs) You know, one of the things that I think would be interesting, do you think if they could deliver dialysis in 30 minutes or less, do you think patients would sign up? Or it's free? (laughs) 30 minutes where it's free? Well, we're finding, though, that the studies show that, you know, more dialysis is better, home dialysis is better. And I was on peritoneal dialysis for nine years. I liked having dialysis at home. So take-home dialysis is definitely uh, something that I think is the best move. This is really serious to me because I really do want to go on home hemodialysis because, like, we've talked to some people, other patients, and who are on it, and they just look so great, and it's they just look wonderful and feel wonderful. And we're going to learn a lot more about it with, we have two doctors today. Not one, but two. You get two for the price of one on Kidney Talk. Um, we have two nephrologists with us today. Dr. Scott Rasgon, who is the director of nephrology at Kaiser Sunset in Los Angeles, and Dr. Rafi Manassian, who is the medical director of the Glendale Kidney Center. Rafi Manassian. Yes. Say that Rafi three times Manassian. fast. Three times Rafi fast. Rafi Manassian, Rafi Manassian, Rafi Manassian. Okay, perfect. We'll be right back with the two docs. When I think of home, I think of a place where there's love overflowing. I wish I was home. I wish I was back there with the things I've been knowing. Honey, did you restrict your fluids today? Yes, dear. Did you turn your back on potatoes, bananas, and avocados? I took a quick peek and then looked the other way. Did you eat all your protein? Lovely weather we're having, isn't it? Honey, you know you need your protein because of the dialysis. Having a hard time with the protein? Do you loathe liver? Are you baffled at the massive amounts of beef? Are you terrified of tofu? Then try drinking your protein, and I'm not talking about liver beef tofu smoothies. Protein powder that you can buy at your local store is perfect and delicious way to get that protein when you need it. Just make sure you read the label. Low sodium, low potassium, and low sugar. You know the drill, so next time someone asks... Did you eat all your protein today? You can say... Not only did I eat it, but I loved it. I had a breakfast shake, and then I put some in my coffee, and then I made some muffins with it, and then I... There are protein powders out there that have as much as 24 grams of protein in just one serving. No sugar and low in sodium and potassium. So drink up and be healthy. Uh, 
Dr. Rafi Manassiam and Dr. Scott Razgon are two leaders in Home Hemo in the Southern California area. They got a lot to share, a lot of knowledge to share with patients about choices and treatments for dialysis. You know, it's funny because I can't even fathom doing home hemo because it looks so complicated when I'm in the dialysis unit. I, I figured I couldn't possibly ever do this myself. Well, what do you say about that? I mean, what do you well, tell patients? My experience starts with the fact that I started with some experienced people from Canada. So my experience is, the, is amplified and probably colored by what I've heard from them. But thus far, what they've said has proven to be true, and that is that there is no restriction on the type of patient who could qualify for home hemo. And where I first thought that we're thinking about maybe 5% of the dialysis patients might qualify for this, I, I'm looking more like 12 to 15, and I read estimates of 20% because the technology has become easier. But I, I also would uh, say that my my understanding of the, the complexity of it from the patient's point of view is uh, what Steve says because at this time the, the patients who come out of the office have a hard time accepting the idea of doing hemodialysis at home. It's much easier for yes. them to accept PD at first than home hemo. But, and the only patient who started training with us who left the training program and did not continue in home hemo was one who was coming out of my office. Give us an example of a patient that came to you. And well, uh, my experience has been a little different. I have, I have about 15 patients on home hemo now. Some of them have come directly from my office without going to dialysis to home hemo. A couple of things we do. I think the biggest fear about home hemo is sticking yourself, I find. And we explain to the patient that it's like having a pierced ear. And um, you make a little hole, and we do the buttonhole technique, where you go through the same hole every time. So when you do the buttonhole technique, you take a sharp needle, you create a tract, and then you put it, and once you create that the sharp needle, you use a dull needle. And the patients have found that to be very easy to learn. And so by doing that, with the technology we have with the machines now, I've done, um, we've done uh, home hemodialysis, where I worked for many, many years, and those patients done very well, but we did three times a week. With the new machines, we've been very successful. They're easy for the patients to use. We make sure we tell them we're not going to let them go home till they're safe. We make sure they understand the, the different nuances from the machines, which one's best for them. And by taking that approach, I think we've been able to get a number of people who were very worried at first, who one of them had needle phobias, as he explained to me, to really accept it. And now they're the biggest supporters. And I've found that sticking is the least important thing at the end and to so the patient. You know, Dr. Razgon is exactly right that the number one concern from everybody always is the first thing. How am I going to stick that needle in my own arm? Especially if you have only one hand available. You know, and today um, the patient who came and spoke at the meeting today was showing how he's right-handed. He can't do anything else with his left hand, but he can cannulate his vessel with that left hand. And it's a, a technique and a certain hand motion that you learn. And in our program so far, it's never taken more than two days for anybody to learn how to stick themselves. There's not wow. never more than two days with the nurses training. Well, what are some of the benefits, though, you, that you're really oh. seeing with patients? I mean, well, I, okay, I know it's going to get exciting here because I've, I've heard you both speak about the benefits. Well, I, I can give you an example of a couple of patients. I had one patient who um, he was taken off perineal dialysis because his dementia was getting worse. And I took over his care, and his wife happened to be a nurse. And well, that's good, though, his dementia's getting worse, because then he realizes he's not even on dialysis. Well, that's right. <laughs> and the, well, the, the interesting part of that was that once we put him on home hemo for a week, his dementia got better. 
and he went out and saw the wildflowers. In two weeks, we were discussing the situation in North Korea, and he was using a wheelchair. He stopped using a wheelchair. The patient I'm currently training now was using a scooter, and she currently walks it. And I think after five days, you see a remarkable increase in energy, an increased feeling of well-being. I think better ability to learn. It's just, to me, it's remarkable. You saw this improvement as as opposed to them having regular hemo? As opposed to regular hemo. This one patient went from perineal dialysis where he had to go off because he could no longer function doing perineal dialysis because he couldn't think straight. Mm -hmm. Then he went to in-center hemo where he was in the emergency room Mm -hmm. often. He was coming in in a wheelchair to home hemo where he's no longer coming in a wheelchair. He's no longer coming to the emergency room. Um, for fluid overload and issues like that. The other patient had been on, had been on in-center hemo, was not doing much at home, and now is, was using a scooter, is now not using the scooter, coming in on her own without a walker, just walking in, and she's being trained now. I have all the other patients, every one of them will explain to you their increased energy where I would come home and I would barely be able to make myself lunch, if at all, making lunch and dinner for their wives, cooking. Um, yeah, that's a reason. I mean, hey, you know. <laughs> Sometimes they, they getting, argue more. Are they getting better clearance with the home hemo, or why do you explain the better? I think it's two things. One, when you do dialysis, the first two hours you get the most clearance of toxins and things. So you're getting the maximum amount of clearance because you're doing it for two hours, six days a week. And this is the daily. I I guess one of the things we can clarify, because there's different types of home hemo. There's like three. Maybe we should clarify that. Clarify that. that. Yeah. Go back a little bit. So in terms of terminology, we talk about home hemodialysis just means it's being done in the home setting. We could do that short daily, as little as one and a half to two and a half hours per session three, four, five, six, seven times a week. Usually we're talking about trying to do it frequently, so we call that short frequent daily dialysis, and that's five or six times a week. And some people are doing nocturnal dialysis, and that's dialysis which is done overnight. And uh, right now I think both Dr. Asgond and our programs primarily short daily dialysis. Short daily, so six six days a week. Five or six. Five or six for two hours a day. You, the two things that happen, one is you have the clearances, or you get better clearance, even though you're doing the same amount of time of dialysis, 12 hours, you get better clearance because the clearance is better in the first two hours. The other issue you don't deal with is the fluid shifts. In dialysis, you have large fluid shifts if you do it every, three times a week, where here you don't gain as much weight, you have less fluid shifts. My experience is the patients eat a lot better, they eat a lot more, um, their albumin, which is a measurement of their nutrition, is much higher. So I think for those advantages, that's why um, patients do better. And they, in my experience, they do remarkably better. Short of transplant, I've never seen patients improve so much on dialysis. And that, that is really, um, I went to Canada and saw how, how well the patients were doing, and I couldn't believe it. And that, that was the reason we started to do this, because you can really see, just you walk into the room and you say, those are the patients? And you're just surprised. Yeah, they're Canadian, though. No, but you know what? I saw uh, there was a woman who had a full nine-month pregnancy and had a baby who was doing daily dialysis, and I never saw that in my practice or anywhere else in Southern California, and I've never really heard of it anywhere in the United States at this time. One of the things I hear from patients is that they just just sleep better. Let's just list those things that are the purported advantages for those who have not heard 
uh, the litany of lectures on home okay. dialysis. So we know that uh, because of the reasons that Dr. Rasbon said, more first hours, more better clearance, and more stable volume, we see improvement in blood pressure control and reduction in the amount of medications required to control blood pressure with long dialysis, also phosphorus control and less phosphate binders. We see in one of the only times we'll find anything that can actually cause the heart muscle, which is thickened in about 70% of dialysis patients at the onset of dialysis, that muscle gets actually back to more normal by doing uh, dialysis frequently. Energy is the big thing that the patients appreciate right away. Uh, improved uh, you know, just ability to do everything, and then the sleep, the quality of sleep is enhanced, appetite, and, and every measure of quality of life, sexual function included. So I think those are the things we're trying to achieve, and all those things are just saying, all those things that are wrong with a patient who has kidney failure can be brought back to normal. Right. And so we're talking about a therapy that gets people back to a more normal physiological status and they feel and act and do more normal. Well, I, well, I know some patients have said that they're like, well, you know, I might get transplanted. You know, they're, they're not so desperate to get transplanted there because they feel so good with home hemo. And that's a, a very encouraging sign. Today is my 16-year anniversary for my transplant. And I know the um, lifespan of a kidney transplant is 15 years. So this is a very encouraging modality for me in the sense of just knowing that it's available. Um, I know one of the things, though, is the issue of reimbursement. And that's why a lot of the patients throughout the country don't have this daily home hemo. And, and you know, that's one of the reasons that I think that um, we're working on it in Congress with the frequent, more frequent hemodialysis act. But has that been impacting your care? You're Kaiser, so you have a different model, <laughs> um, which, you know, it's... Well, we're, we're, we're fully capitated for most of our patients, right. so I can say that the patients that we have on home hemo, their hospitalization rates drop dramatically, and the people we put on home hemo aren't necessarily our healthiest patients. They're people who wanted to do it, who were motivated, and um, for whatever, those patients have done very well. The last patient I put on, I think, was 78, and I'm going to put on an 80-year-old. Is there a general age group that wants to go on hemo? Is it more younger people? Or no, I, I put on, I have an 80-year-old who wants to go on, a 78-year-old who went on, I'm putting in a 74-year-old, have patients in their 40s. I'm trying to think if we have a 30-year-old. I can't remember. But they haven't been generally the youngest patients. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, would I would recommend it for anybody because uh, I've done nephrology what, for 25 years now. I've never seen... I've never seen people feel so good. My, my office manager's been, you know, on renal replacement therapy since '89, so this is my 17 years, and she has never done as well with two transplants and every other modality. She's never done as well, even after doing four times in center, as when she started doing the daily short home hemo. I, and, and you can I've just seen see it. The I've seen it. You know, I've seen the skin color change. I've seen it dramatically. The odor of the patient. The, I mean, everything about it is just yeah. amazing. That you know, what, because what do, you mean, what do you mean the odor of the patient? You can actually. Smell it's a normalization of the smell that you can sometimes pick up. Yeah. Even on a well-dialyzed dialysis patient, sometimes you can pick up a certain smell that you lose when you go back. Well, to you know the table. benefit of that is, you want me to tell you because I had that problem, is mosquitoes don't bite you. And um, so <laughs> I would go, you know, the you've got to look at the positive side. <laughs> I mean, so I would go camping. I'd have a little bit of uremia going on or whatever, and everybody else would get bit. I wouldn't. 
So she's um, gonna rent herself out for camping trips. <laughs> <laughs> and then my kitties didn't work, so I didn't have to get up in the middle of the night and go freeze my butt off. But, you know, I'm glad to have a transplant and not be your remake. Well, but, um, when you talk about how people feel and you talk about how they look, one of the patients I put on home hemo, he decided to keep on going back in the dialysis unit. I have more and more people coming in. Guy looks so good. What did he do? And they all come over and... You know, they were very interested in, in getting on the therapy themselves. The people that I've been talking to, they weren't terribly interested. They said it's too much to be at home, as you said. It's going to be overwhelming. They want to go. And nobody, once they do it, I've had nobody who's finished the training want to go back. And how long is the training? The training, it varies. Um, the average is about four weeks. I think you can do it in three weeks. If you have somebody who's really sophisticated and feels really comfortable and has some knowledge, maybe two weeks. For but me, it would be like six months. It, well, I don't think it would be. <laughs> I think, so, uh, I, think it was, I think the average training time, I think, is four weeks. With It depends. One of the one of the first machines that came out that we used, there was some reliability issues, so it took a little longer because of the machine issue. But in, for the patient issue, every patient could almost be trained in four weeks. I, I don't see it. You know, if you, I, it's like perineal dialysis. The average patient's a week. There's that one or two patients that it's a two or three week thing, and we go through it. And you need to be patient. Um, There's a couple of different technologies, and one of them's maybe a little bit easier to learn than the other. And so. It may be as little as 12 on the average with a newer one and maybe 18 on the more complicated one in our program, 18 sessions, and mm -hmm. it'll depend on how so they train. So they train while they're in dialysis? How does that work exactly? Well, they come into the training facility, and the training is sometimes tailored to what their situation is, and maybe they're driving in from a long distance and they can really only come three times a week. We prefer to do it on the way they're going to do it when they go home and do it five days in a row or six days in a row and finish until they're trained. But the, the reality sometimes when they're driving a distance is they can't really do that every day. So we tailor the program and the time of the training to the individual. So they're training yeah. while they're having dialysis. They get trained and dialyzed simultaneously. We do the same thing. The, the one thing, we've been doing half day too, or you know, half day of training rather than full day because we're doing shorter dialysis. Um, and we tailor it if they can come in the afternoon, Saturday. We do what we can to get them in there because one of the issues is that we, re we require at least somebody around, a partner. And so that partner needs to come in a couple days to understand what to do. And in some of our cases, the partner sticks them. Other cases, they don't. And depending what the needs are, we, we try to fulfill those for the family, and we try to work with the family members. Now, what if a patient wanted to have, like, the home treatment every other three times a week or four times a week? Would you offer that? Absolutely. We've done three times a week home hemodialysis mm -hmm. for agnosium um, at Kaiser, and my, my feeling is that's fine, but I think the more is the better. So I would more encourage shorter. It. And and I haven't I haven't noticed that patients have been skipping treatments at all. They come in with their sheets and they're doing those treatments. Yeah, people I think come, they really feel better. Generally people coming to our program are looking to, to feel better and they're accepting four or five. And to be honest with you, no matter how much we train them to do, they ask to do more. Yeah. And the ones who are doing uh, the Fresenius machine dialysis, they're the ones who are asking already to be nocturnal, to go all night and do longer dialysis. And they will never, ever go back to skipping two days in a row. They'll, that's one of the, once they've okay. learned how well they feel, that's the one thing they'll tell you, I'll never skip now, two days. Now, the nocturnal home hemo, just to clarify for our listeners, is that they actually dialyze for eight hours. It's very, 
it's very slow dialysis while they sleep, correct? Oh, right. So there's just different, I mean, um, on our website, we're going to have links to all the different modalities and different things that you can find because it does get kind of confusing. But, I mean, I know, Stephen, you've been, you've asked me a couple yeah, no, questions about home dialysis. That, you know, I was told that would be alleviated is after I have dialysis, I totally, my blood pressure crashes. I'm a diabetic, and I know it's more uh, susceptible than diabetics. But I was told if I did shorter stints, you know, multiple times, it would, I would have less of the crashing. The crashing, in my experience, has almost completely gone away. And two things happen. One is you're in control. You, you'll know better than the doctor where you're going to crash, and, and you're not going to have as large fluid gains. If you gain a lot of fluid and you try to take it off the next session to catch up, people end up crashing, especially diabetics, because of the underlying neuropathy. When, you, when my experience doing the diabetics in short daily is you don't see that. Mm-hmm. And they tell you that that's one of the first things the patients notice. And the other reason is because the volume yeah. is much more controlled. You don't gain for two or three days, and when you're having less fluid gain and less to remove every day, you end up with hypertension control being improved. You don't have that downtime after dialysis, that fatigue and that blood pressure variation. And uh, that's probably the reason that the heart muscle also does better because you don't get that extra two or second and third day of stretching the heart with too much fluid. So that's a big deal because it's cardiovascular problems that the patients eventually succumb to. It's not, they never, nobody dies from kidney failure. We can dialyze you after all the other organs are gone. That's not the problem. The problem is cardiovascular problems. And we're now talking about a modality that will probably have an impact in the long run after all the studies are in. But all the studies always are pointing this way that this is a better modality. Now, one important question, is there stock in this stuff? I mean, can we buy into this? I mean, <laughs> yeah, the, it sounds The companies great. are publicly traded that make some of the machines, yes. Oh, okay, great, because I'm going to call my stock. <laughs> the, other, the, other, the other issue is with your life, you're not tied to the schedule in the dialysis unit, which I think for some patients is a godsend. And people, you know, in terms of working, I've done a number of studies on employment, rehabilitation, and working in dialysis patients, you know, if your unit is inflexible, sometimes it can be very hard to work. If you control when you do your dialysis, it gives you a lot more control over your life, and I think that's an important issue. And you feel better. I mean, there's, you know, one of the things that I notice of being a patient, you know, you just start to feel bad. It's the chronicity of the illness. You slowly start to feel bad, and you can't kind of put your finger on it. And then that happened when I had my transplant was that, you know, I'd been on dialysis for 12 years, and I just kind of learned how to adjust because, you know, but then I got the transplant, and I was like, boom. I was like, oh, my oh. God, I forgot. Oh. I forgot. You know, it's the chronicity, and it's just, you know, there's not one significant event. That's the way I felt before I was on dialysis, because I kept saying to my nephrologist, yeah, I feel fine. You know, there's nothing wrong, but I'd be falling asleep in the middle of the day, and... I, you know, I, I wasn't hungry, and then it got to the point where I was throwing up almost, you know, at well, night. That, that's the whole thing. We kind of hit the wall with conventional therapy, and patients have gotten to that point where they think that how you're describing is the way they're supposed to feel exactly. because they felt that way so long. Exactly. And nobody realized that, you know what, there is a way to feel better. And, yeah, when you get a transplant, overnight it changes. But short of that... If I had to do it, I would take the transplant first. If I was well-qualified transplant recipient, I'd take the transplant. But if short of that, I'd want to be on the therapy that makes me most normal. And I can say from experience now that 
this is definitely better than everything else. Well, one of the things I hear from the healthcare professionals is once the patients learn home hemo and go home, that they have a hard time getting them to come into the clinic because they feel so good. Like, come on, you need to come back in and see me. And they're like, no, I'm living my life. I don't want to be here anymore. You control and, you know, that. It's really exciting. They're, they're, pretty, they're pretty good about, they're really pretty good about coming in. The thing I find is when they come in, I, they have all kinds of stories for me. The other thing I find interesting is the, where before you'd see this relationship of the helpless and the helper in terms of the spouse, now you're getting arguments. So <laughs> you don't have two, one helpless person, you have somebody who can speak for themselves. I find it amazing how just their whole attitude changes. And to me, it, it, it's, it's just fascinating. The other thing, Lori, is they have to come in, bring the sheets, yeah. and get more supplies to get <laughs> no, medication. <laughs> they got to come get our fix, yeah. right? I mean, well, come on, give us our dialysis stuff. I know. Yeah, you know, we don't like to fly without you know nobody no, at the I helm here. I know that. So the doctor has to see the patient once a month, and it's very, very analogous to peritoneal dialysis. Any parting words or thoughts? No, I know this I just, is all new to you. I just want to thank them for you know sharing this because this is something that I didn't know. I thought I was stuck in the clinic. You know, I'm going to tell those people when I go back. You know, forget it. I'll see you later. You see know? you later. We'll be we'll be we'll be taping the show from your home, yeah, exactly. and you can say, Lori, this is my schedule, and we can do it then. Hi, Mom. Boy, that was some storm last night, huh? We actually lost power for a few minutes. Oh, you think that was bad? You should have seen the one back in 52. Well, now that you're on dialysis, you should really have a plan in case of an emergency. Ha! Last emergency I had was when you got your head stuck in the hamster cage. Scared the little fellow to death. Those big eyes just staring at him. I'm talking about emergencies, like severe weather, earthquakes, or power outages. What if there was no water or transportation to get you to dialysis? It's important to be prepared. You mean like carrying important medical information? Or asking your facility for alternative arrangements for treatment? Or preparing emergency stock of supplies, foods, and medicines? Or learning what diet to follow if your dialysis must be delayed? You already knew all this? I've got to run, Sonny. I'm late for Taekwondo. Bye, Mom. Hi, folks. Crazy Kenny Kid here to tell you about the incredible specials we're having. We are definitely wheeling and dealing this weekend. If I can't put you in a proper access, a lifeline like me and the missus like to call them, then I'll stand on my head and eat a low-sodium bug. First, we have a Crazy Kenny Kid special on hemodialysis access with several different models. We have catheters great for the beginners or in any emergency, but you'll soon want to move up to a more sporting model. Next, we have the AV graft, a good utility access. But believe me, sweet folks, I have saved the best for last, the fistula. This is the access that everyone is talking about. You'll get great mileage and years of use with this baby. What's that you say? Hemo just doesn't fit the lifestyle you prefer, PD? Well, feast your eyes on this baby. Oh, I forgot this is radio. You'll just have to trust me on this one, folks. This is the PD catheter model. Beautiful, efficient, and easily hidden from view. So take your pick. We're dealing all week. We'll really have to move these babies. 
keep your access clean and free of infection. A daily check for signs of redness and warmth could indicate infection. Check with your health care team for tips on how to keep your dialysis access clean and safe for use. And remember, if I can't put you in one of these lifelines, I'll stand on my head and eat a low-sodium bug. Wow, I learned a lot. I don't know about you. Two doctors. Two doctors. Can you believe it? Now, if you weren't convinced about home humo before, aren't you convinced now? I am. I, I, I really sincerely want to do home hemo. I just, I, I always worry about, like the doctor said, that's the biggest fear that patients have is sticking themselves. And, you know, once I get over that, I think I'll be fine. Well, you remember when we interviewed Hasmic Meridian? And, Hasmic Meridian. Uh, oh, uh, yes, yes, I and she loved just started, her. And she talked about that. You know, that was her biggest fear, too. And, you know, we have a message. Uh, we have one of our listeners left us a voicemail. So we want to play it right now. It's not obscene, is it, or anything? No, it's not. But she actually was really inspired by the... Um, by Hasmic? The, by Hasmic. And she also, too, has been on home and she wanted to share a few words of encouragement to the listeners. Oh, here's the message. Hi, I just wanted to say I loved your show about home dialysis, and I was a home dialysis patient for two years. I did nocturnal home hemo, which is another form, and I really enjoyed it. And again, just like our guest said, um, I felt great, and I looked great, and people didn't know that I was on dialysis. So I just wanted to encourage Every listener, that if you're on dialysis, check out Home Hemo. So thanks a lot. Bye. <laughs> well, she's a believer, too. I mean, hey. I'm a believer. I can't wait to do it. So um, I think everybody needs to check out Home Hemodialysis, Home Dialysis, their options. Remember, we need to take Home Dialysis as much as we can. So find out as much as you can. Ask your doctor and... It'll let you live the lifestyle that you want to live. So until next week, we'll be back with more Kidney Talk. Renal Support Network would like to thank everyone who has made this show possible. Kidney Talk's founding sponsor is Amgen. Generous support is provided by Roche Pharmaceuticals and Estellas. Friends of Kidney Talk are Abbott Laboratories, American Region, and Fresenius Medical Care North America. Thank you for helping us stream health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. Visit rsnhope.org for more information. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our health care team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. 